Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. This week, we welcome a special guest, Monsignor Cummings. Well, the Transfiguration is a great event, but a rare event. The Lord Jesus, as we know, usually looked just like any other man, except, of course, there was something marvelously attractive and noble about him. But otherwise, he was just exteriorly like any, any other man. Yet on this day, unlike all the others, he shone with a brilliant heavenly glory. For this brief moment, heaven was opened to bear witness to the fact that Jesus truly had come down from there. As the gospel relates, they saw his glory. Only after the resurrection, and especially at the moment of the ascension, when our Lord was lifted up on a cloud, only then would the disciples see Jesus as the glorious King of Heaven that he was. But here on Mount Tabor, for just a short time, he stands superior to Moses and Elijah on an equal footing with the Heavenly Father, himself master of heaven and earth. Heaven is opened, why? In order to fortify the disciples for the passion, for the, passion, for the scandal of the cross that lies ahead. In fact, traditionally, this event occurred 40 days before Good Friday, which is why we always celebrate it early in Lent. The apostles needed to be reminded of heaven, the goal of Christ's mission and his victory, as trial approached. And whenever we find ourselves in great sorrow or difficulty, we need to remember the same. Heaven is real, heaven is near, and there is a mansion there with our name on it. As Jesus promised before he died, I go to prepare a place for you. The thought of our destiny will keep us faithful in times of trial, and we must remain faithful so as to enter with Jesus into his glory. Today we're reminded in the first reading of the covenant made um, with Abraham for the Jewish people. Uh, if they were faithful to God, faithful to that covenant, a long life in the land and a many descendants was promised them. Jesus Christ came, as we know, to make a new covenant in his blood. This time, not just with the Jewish people, but with all people. And he promised not just a long life on earth, but eternal life in heaven. But again, we must remain faithful. It's not guaranteed. It's a glorious possibility. And as long as we live, we can always and must always renew and deepen our fidelity to the Savior. That's really what Lent is for. As St. Peter said, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. No matter how wicked a person might be, no matter what he or she may have done, he can always convert and turn back to Jesus. Jesus will always take us back. 
Remember the good thief. This day you will be with me in paradise. But the opposite is also true. No matter how good we are, no matter what great deeds we may have done, we can always slip away, be deceived, deny our Savior, and lose our inheritance. St. Paul makes this clear in his remarks today to the Philippians. He speaks with tears in his eyes because some were falling away and others were not listening to the call to conversion. He laments, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ and their end is destruction. And so he exhorts his listeners, stand firm in the Lord. Why stand firm? You know, what are we to expect? Well, we can expect, Jesus shows us today, we can expect to be transfigured by Christ so that we too can shine in glory as he does, as he did momentarily there on Tabor. As Paul said, he will change our lowly body to conform with his glorified body in the resurrection. But this reality really begins now. As Paul says again, our citizenship is in heaven, but already we're citizens of heaven. If we're in a state of grace, we have the Holy Spirit within us, the down payment of our full union with God. Elsewhere, the Apostle Paul says, it's the same God that said, let there be light shining out of darkness, who has shone in our minds to radiate the light of the knowledge of God's glory, the glory on the face of Christ. And on this, St. Ambrose commented, we have heard how Christ shines in us. He is the eternal, brilliant illumination of souls whom the Father sent into the world so that his face should shine on us and permit us to contemplate eternal and heavenly truths, we who had been plunged in earthly darkness. And what a precious gift is ours as Christ's disciples. What a precious gift his life is in us, which we call being in a state of grace, and we have to guard it jealously. The devil is very successful at attacking the flock of Christ, and even, as we know, at attacking priests. All of us, priests and laity, must be fully on guard, always vigilant, constantly fighting back. And we must try to help our brothers and sisters who have gone astray, because there are so many who are indifferent or hostile to the church, so many who have been seduced by the world, so many who are trapped in serious sin. And with St. Paul, we say it with tears. Let us remind people, the people we meet, the people in our families, whenever we can, remind them of heaven. We're made for heaven. And we can remind them, sometimes jokingly, sometimes seriously, that they will not live forever. And they and we must all think about what comes after death, which can come at any moment. And we must be prepared. That's what being in a state of grace is. It's like having our proof of citizenship, our passport to heaven, 
current and in our pocket for whenever we must make the trip out of this life. There's so much down in the valley, below Tabor, here in the world, to distract us from contemplating the Lord in glory and rejoicing in that glory which is our destiny too. We can be so focused, and to some degree we need to be, on our work, on our duties, on our daily tasks. But if we do them for God, out of love, they will not distract us from our goal, but rather they will become means of arriving there. But when life gets difficult, we of course think of how difficult it can get when we think of our poor brothers and sisters in Ukraine, we can become so sorrowful or so afraid or so angry that we forget about our citizenship in heaven. This is a temptation, but it's also an opportunity to take comfort by turning our thoughts towards our true home. This has been the solace of Christians in every age and, and in every difficult circumstance, in slavery, in prison, in exile, in illness, in persecution. We must remember this life is passing with all of its difficulties. We are only wayfarers wending our way home. More dangerous for us are times of peace, health, and prosperity. In these times, we must be beware of what Paul just said. Their minds are occupied with earthly things. So especially when all is well, we must remember this life is passing. All this will evaporate. And in any case, it's nothing much compared to the glory of heaven. I had better not get distracted by it, for then I might easily fall into sin on account of it. For yes, to obtain the passing goods of this world or to enjoy them, people commit sins which will deprive them of eternal joy. To avoid a little suffering, they become enemies of the cross of Christ and their end is destruction. We must especially have concern for young people. Many of them are occupied for hours each day by the media. Vapid shows, silly memes, posts, people who are famous for no good reason, music that enthralls rather than elevates fads and half-truths, their minds are occupied with earthly things. Does anyone tell them to stop to think if they are on the road, the narrow road that leads to life? Are they becoming friends of Christ crucified or enemies of the cross? Consequently, every one of us, young or old, in sickness or health, rich or poor, we must keep our eyes firmly fixed on heaven and eternity. We must live each day in such a way as to secure and maintain that prize, indeed, so as to gain the highest place in heaven that we can. This depends on our degree of love, our degree of charity that we have when we die. When St. Peter glimpsed the glory of heaven, he exclaimed, it's good that we are here. It's good to remain and contemplate the glory of the Savior and to long with earnest desire for the place that he has reserved for us. 
This will keep us faithful to him, to him who is the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Obeying, that's what the Father means when he says, listen to him, obey him, do all that he tells you. And this means follow the guidance of his representatives, the bishops and priests. It's their job to lead you through the dark valley into eternal life. And their life is supposed to be a model for you, as St. Paul also said. Join with others in being imitators of me, brothers and sisters, and observe those who thus conduct themselves according to the model you have in us. So pray for your priests and deacons that this may be true. We pray also for you. Thus may we all meet in the heavenly kingdom. Amen.